Welcome to Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. There's no BS, no fluff, there's zero guru talk, just real real estate flipping knowledge. Here's your host, Greg Simpson. How's it going, everybody? It's Greg with Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros, and I have a phenomenal guest for you guys today. This is someone who has started from the bottom and worked their way to the top in the real estate investing world. Uh, He's out of Orlando, Florida. He is uh, one of my hard money lender contacts. Please welcome Rick Malero to the show. Thanks, Rick, for coming on. Uh, Thank you. So, Rick, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and fill in any gaps there. Like, you know, where are you from, your family life? Tell us a little bit about that so we get to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I was born in Puerto Rico. And when I was 12 years old, my mom actually decided to move to Tampa, Florida. And so obviously I had no choice. <laughs> and uh, we moved to Florida. But I'm, I'm really glad that we did because it, it helped me to expand and grow. And, um, you know, later on down in life, after my career had already been established in the real estate investment space, I... Uh, actually reconnected with an old friend of mine, Rochelle. We got married, and now we have three kids. One is 15. Uh, one right now is five going on six, and uh, our two-and-a-half-year-old son. And so that's kind of what makes up my family. Awesome. So you're a busy man, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. So what, busy. what do you and your, uh, your family like to do in your free time? Like what kind of hobbies do you have, if any? Yeah, you know, that that's actually like a moving target right now. It's, it's been kind of a process because uh, the more that I seem to mature, the more that I really value uh, spending quality time with, with my family. And um, so really, you know, in the beginning, and, and I still love traveling. I love traveling the world. I love doing, you know, a lot of outdoor things and, uh, and just enjoying fellowship with friends. But lately, I've been really focused on spending time with my children and my wife, whether that's going to the movies, going to Disney, whether that's going to different places where like camping and going to the cabin, you know, I really am focused on building memories with my family so that my kids can see throughout the years, all of the great experiences that we've had together. And so that that's my hobby right now is building memories with my family. I love that. Absolutely love that. So would you, would you uh, say that that is your why? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's I have a big why, and that's a big part of the why, right? So, so really, I believe that I'm here for a purpose much bigger than myself, and I believe that part of that purpose includes leaving a legacy. And, and in the process of making a legacy, that means that I have a fiduciary responsibility to really impart that that knowledge and impart that uh, that desire, that burning desire for my children, so that when I'm gone, they're in essence following along the footsteps and they're minimizing the types of struggles that I've had to go through and endure uh, just because I didn't have the knowledge or I was misinformed. Gotcha. So Rick, what did you do before you got into real estate? Did you have a prior career or were you kind of just, you know, going with the flow? You know, you know, what's funny. I was just talking about that earlier with one of our, our marketing guys. What's funny is if you actually go back in, in many, many years back when I was younger down, you know, from teenage years, I would say probably about 18 years of age. Everybody knew me as Ricky. That was my name. That's how everybody knew me. And so the very first actual job that I got was actually in a telemarketing firm somewhere in Tampa. And the manager of the entire building 
uh, walked up to me one day and said, listen, could you take a break and walk with me for a second? I want to have a conversation with you. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he said, you know what? I'm going to tell you something, Ricky. He said, you're really sharp. There's something special about you, the way you speak, the way you capture things. You know, you really have absolutely no experience, but it feels like you've been here for a long time. And um, so I'm like, oh, thank you. And he says, you know, but I'm going to tell you, there's something wrong. And he says, Ricky is the name of your next door neighbor. Rick is the name of the person that you give your credit card to. <laughs> Rick is the businessman. And uh, believe it or not, from that moment on, there was a transfer. I mean, the name is the same. The meaning is the same. The difference was that man gave me an identity in my name. He gave me a purpose. And what's really unique about that experience in my life that I recall vividly is that it made me kind of grow up. It made me see myself for a higher person and a higher calling that I had. And so that's when Rick transitioned. And funny enough, I started going through different uh, opportunities that came my way, ultimately worked for Capital One, and uh, just blew all of my sales goals out of the water. And then I transitioned a little bit into actually ministry. I had an experience with God, and I don't want to go into too much detail here on this particular podcast, but uh, let's just say that it changed my life. And through that journey, I joined some, some you know, work in, in the church, and it was through that process that I realized that I wanted to make a big impact, and surely being a part of helping physically was great, but I realized that if I wanted to make a lasting legacy and I really wanted to change people's lives, I was going to need a little bit more wealth to be able to accomplish those objectives. And um, funny enough, as I started reaching and reading and searching, I found the real estate investment space in the Bible of all places. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to share that. I'll send you a text later with the verse. But it literally, for the first time ever, as I read a scripture, it dawned on me that it was real estate investors and the people who owned properties and land who sold those properties and out of the proceeds of those investments, they shared it with those who had need. And the people in the area uh, didn't have any need because people stepped up and they were a blessing. And so that kind of became the, the picture, that aha moment that made me want to get into the actual real estate space. Awesome. So then how did you get introduced to real estate? Just like what happened? What Where did you find out about it? Or, I mean, I know you kind of were introduced through the Bible, but what, yeah. how long, or how did you get introduced exactly to the market? Yeah. Well, what's unique is, you know, so once I knew that, okay, I need to start searching this real estate thing, you know, I, I still was a little skeptical because I, I really wanted to be very successful. And, and I knew that if I could be successful, I could make an impact. And so one of the things that I started doing in that journey is I started researching the wealthiest people in the world. And I looked at Forbes 400 and I was doing my research and it was very difficult to identify because so many different people were making money in different areas. But when it came down to it, the confirmation that I got about this being the direction that I wanted to go to was that all of those people, when they bolster their net worth, real estate is incorporated in all of theirs. And so that's when I said, you know what, that's one of the common denominators of these successful people. I'm going to pursue it. So then I thought maybe I should get a real estate license like most people do. And uh, then I said, well, maybe I should get a job and just work for a company. And uh, funny enough, there was a gentleman in Tampa who was doing about 15 properties a month. Wow. And he, um, he was looking for an employee to work for him. And I applied. And then, of course, he very politely declined because I had no experience. And so when I countered him with, well, look, I'm committed. I want to learn. I'll intern for you. Teach me. And he was in complete shock. 
And so he said, okay, well, let's, let's see what you got. And so, you know, that's really how I got into the real estate space, interning for a real estate investor and um, learning the industry. And what was unique about that part of my life is that there were some things I liked about real estate and there were some things I didn't like about real estate. And so what I really fell in love with that he had was a system. He had a machine. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I became obsessed with. And little by little, as I started my own business, my focus was how do I create a machine that can automate the majority of the processes so that I can grow and scale and ultimately leave a legacy that people want to follow. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, so, so Rick, how long have you been doing the real estate investment game? Uh, at this stage, a little bit over 12 years, okay. you know, from start to currently where I'm at in my career, a little bit over 12 years. So how did you start off with real estate? You started off with, as an intern, but what, how did, your own personal, how did you start off as a real estate investor? You know, it's really funny. You know, I started, again, just kind of, if you will, as an intern, I was almost just his bird dog. That's kind of how I started as an intern. Mm-hmm. So I learned, you know, how to go off market. You know, we were, I would literally go out and knock on doors. I would send out mailers. I would do everything and anything that nobody wants to do to get a deal. And um, as I started kind of going to see these individuals and going to their house, I started learning some of the tactics. You know, I started learning how to analyze the properties correctly, how to negotiate. And um, so in that journey, when I started going on my own, part of the reason why I decided to go on my own is because I found that some of the strategies that this particular investor was implementing were not in alignment with my convictions. Okay. In other words, he was robbing people Mm. and he knew about it and he bragged about it. And I just, I couldn't sleep at night feeling that way. So I figured there's got to be a better way. And so as I started adapting some different strategies, uh, he and I had some conflict. And um, let's just say that as I walked out of the door, his last words to me were, I hope you fail. Oh, and that's for a couple up. of years, that, the, the, he still has a building there. I don't think he's doing the same business anymore because I think he got wiped out with the market crash. But uh, for years, and I'm not going to say the street in Tampa where it is, uh, there's a big old billboard. And I literally thought about just renting that billboard and putting a picture of me stepping on his building. But um, <laughs> then I realized I was better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when I went on my own, I literally had no money. So, you know, it really just, it's, I took that knowledge and I started wholesaling to other investors. Okay. And then I started building on that. And as I made money, I put some of that money away so that I could actually start doing my own deals. And so it was a little bit of discipline and, and refining my business model. And then it got to the point where I was more uh, buying deals for myself and then selling options, if you will, to other investors. And it just it grew exponential. I mean, there was a period of, of time in my career where I was moving about 30 properties a month, including my purchases. Wow. And so it was it was pretty significant for my age anyway. For sure. So you start off as a wholesaler. I definitely recommend, especially people that are, are listening to the podcast that are considering getting in this business, that you you either take our wholesaling class, you research as much about wholesaling, as possible because that's where I tell everybody to start, uh, especially if you don't have a lot of money. Uh, if you can't go about and buy your first investment property, um, even with a hard money loan to give you approximately 75% of that, you know, you've got to start wholesaling to raise up that capital just like you did. So Alliance, pay close attention to that because that's, that's where I think you should start as well. All right, Rick. So tell us a little bit about your first ever deal and how did you find it? <laughs> you know, your person, time, not, I, not the intern guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'll tell you what. My, my very first, actually, when I bought my very first deal, I, I ultimately bought two houses, right? 
And so basically, you know, when I when I started my investments, there were specifically uh, two properties that I bought. And actually, one of them was we had somebody who sent some letters and who actually was knocking on doors for us and come to find out that the house next door, also the seller was motivated. So we were able to take down both properties. Awesome. Um, but the, the first deal that I bought that was, uh, I took a bath on it. I lost so much money. It was ridiculous uh, just because I didn't understand some of the key fundamentals. And so when I got into this project, it was just an absolute nightmare. Luckily, the one next door uh, kind of saved me, <laughs> if you will, because it was less rehab and I was able to move that property and, and at least break even. Okay. So Rick, you, you've done wholesaling, obviously you've done rehabbing and uh, I know you've told me uh, multiple times that, you know, if you didn't diversify in this business, you'd have lost it all just like most people did in the, the crash, correct? So then how did you find your niche? Like how did you find the opportunity to, to become a hard money lender? Because I guess that was, is your niche. So how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, when, when I was exposed to commercial investments, because that's really what transitioned the way that I saw things, uh, in that process, it, when I started buying a couple commercial properties and partnering with other investors that were doing commercial, you know, from industrial to multifamily, mobile home parks, we, we literally started diversifying in passive income. And so I, I just kind of fell in love with the concept of what true investing is all about. And not that I want to down people that flip, because I flip, you know? Mm -hmm. But the reality is what really became evident to me is that the perception of the flipper is completely wrong. When you look at a flipper, everybody thinks he's the one that hunts. He gets all the glory. The reality is the guy who should be getting the glory is the guy that was smart enough to let his money work for him so he doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting. And so that was a shift in the way that I saw investing as I knew it. Because before it was all about I'm doing it. I'm making it happen. I'm making these great returns. But when you calculate the amount of hours that I put into that, I realized that I really wasn't making great returns if I calculated how many hours I was putting in to make those kind of returns. Mm -hmm. And so as I was investing, I started saying, you know, what can I do to diversify so that our company can expand and grow, but where I can build a vehicle that makes it easier for me as an investor to invest my money passively so that I don't have to do a lot of work. And so 2013 is what we decided to try out private lending for a few guys and see how it worked. And we did about 120 transactions that year. Definitely made a lot of mistakes. Luckily, it, you know, we made some good money and we realized exactly what we needed to tweak in order to build that money-making machine. So by 2014, it was well-refined, we expanded, and it's been an amazing journey. Last year, we did over $22 million in capital deployment. And this year, we're definitely shooting uh, for at least $35 million uh, to just put our money to work so that our money's doing most of the heavy lifting. And so that's kind of how we've evolved into the, the private space. Literally, it was a diversification strategy that ultimately became its own business because of how effective it was. That's fantastic. Uh, so, Rick, tell us, what was the turning point in your business that, that took you, you know, and took you to the next level? You know, what took me to the next level was, number one, the realization that I didn't really have big objectives. I knew that I was in real estate for a purpose, but I had never really defined what I wanted to truly get out of it. And I never really understood investing because what's really sad in this in this world, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is just be ignorant. You know, 
They say ignorance is bliss, but many times you get punished for ignorance. But there's something even more dangerous than ignorance, and that's called misinformation. And you could literally believe a lie and be living this lie, and you don't find out till later when it's too late. And then you're paying the full consequences of your actions when the whole time you thought you were doing it right. So I think the shift for me was when I really understood what investing was. And so what that did is it created an urgency within me to build a business model that would give us the ability to grow actively, but at the same time, it would start building my passive investment. Because I knew that you have to be active to get money so that you can be passive. But if you don't put that as a part of your focus, you will stay active and you'll never get to the point where you can actually sit back, relax, and let your money work for you. And I think Buffett said it best. You know, he says, you have to find out how to make your money work for you and make money while you sleep. Otherwise, you will die working. And so that was a real powerful moment for me to understand that I need to take my active investments seriously and use them to convert that passive income to work for me so that over time, I will be free. And I think when I understood that, then my mission changed, my objectives changed, my strategies changed, the people that I put myself around changed, and it really empowered me to take that next step and reach the next level. Wow. <laughs> that is that is one of the best responses and answers we've gotten on this on this podcast. Thank you. Um great great stuff. Okay, so we've talked about some really positive stuff. Tell us a time that you were going through a rough patch in this business and then how did you get out of it? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few seasons, uh, not just because of the economy. You know, to be honest with you, uh, I've had a few instances where I'll give you an example. We bought quite a few properties in California a while back. And to be honest, I over leveraged. And the reason why I over leveraged was because as an investor, you know, with a track record that I had actively, a lot of these local investors came to me and said, look, we love what you're doing. How do we triple that? And so I kind of fell into this, hey, right, I could do triple the amount of business. And instead of really sticking to the fundamentals of having, I mean, I use leverage myself and I lend money. So, I mean, I fully understand the, the ability and the power of leverage. But what I didn't fully understand at that time was that over leverage can destroy your investment. And so I went through a season where I over leveraged on several deals simultaneously. And each one of those deals, one after another, had an issue. Either we went out of budget because something drastic happened or the sale took longer and longer and longer. And so we had to service that debt. And so to be honest with you, what really almost killed me in those deals was the fact, and in fact, I did lose money, but it was the fact that I had to carry all of those debt payments. And I really learned a lesson in that one. And so what I had to do, to be honest, to get out of that hole was number one, refine my systems and hold my team accountable to get those projects in and out as quickly as possible. So that helped. But the other side, I really had to put a lot of effort in other active strategies that I was already implementing and allocate those profits to save me from losing everything that I had just invested in those California projects. And so I'll never forget that moment because, you know, here I was thinking I'm doing all these millions of, of dollars in deals. And I remember some evenings just sitting there with a tear in my eye going, oh, my God, you know, a broke man that's walking down the street is more wealthy than I am, you know. And so it was it was definitely a tough time, but it taught me a lot. Awesome. So, so Rick, tell us, um, <clears throat> what's the craziest deal you've ever had to go through? From a bad perspective or, or just, a cool, just, just a cool deal? I would say the craziest in any way you want to shape it. 
Yeah. Well, I think this one's crazy. For, I mean, I've had a lot of crazy deals. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with <laughs> you, we've had some really interesting opportunities uh, that we've been involved with. But I think kind of the craziest deal that I've done is uh, it was in 2011. We had built some great relationships with some foreign national investors that were with us. And it turns out the guy was a player in Ireland and the UK, big, big player. And so he happened to know of a transaction that was going down in Ireland. And it was a very good investment. And actually, it was a castle, Ooh. about 1,250 acres. You know, this, this thing has been up since like 1730. It was just a really cool deal. And the deal was, the reason why it was unique and crazy was because uh, the deal was two and one. It was the castle. So basically, the, the leasehold was the dirt, basically all of the land, the trees, and everything within it. And then the freehold were the buildings. And so what we were negotiating for the first time since like 1738 was the acquisition of both the dirt and the building. Mm -hmm. And so it was a unique transaction because we had to learn so much so quickly. We had to put the right team in place. And I normally don't like going out of my comfort zone, but we had a really good partnership with this investor who was very experienced. And he kind of was our point man there to put the things together. And what was really unique about that project is we were able to negotiate the, 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 the land purchase and the buildings. We then sold off a percentage of the trees and what's funny is when we sold off the rights for them to harvest those trees, we basically got our money back that we put into the land acquisition. Really? It was incredible. And um, then from there, I mean, and that was a journey in itself, you know, because we had to get certain permits. And mm -hmm. But when my attorney or what they call solicitor out in Ireland sent me the paperwork, our entire team was just sitting here mesmerized because the actual leasehold, the dirt, the contract was in Caskin. Huh. So that's how old. It was. It hadn't even transferred names, but twice. Wow. Uh, it was one in 2006 when it was actually all of it was purchased for 12 million euros. And then it was two, 2011 where we purchased it for less than 2 million euros for all of it. Whoa. Yeah. So it was it was a really unique deal. Uh, you know, I told my wife, hey, what short Puerto Rican can say we own a castle? So <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was a really cool deal. We're still working through it now, but it's been that's been a really unique experience. That is a cool deal. Very cool deal. Rick, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you first started off? You know, if I could go back in time and tell myself, uh, you know, kind of some wisdom, one of the things that I would say is make sure that whatever active strategies that you have, you find a way to incorporate passive within it. You need cash flow. For so many years, because I was trying to build and grow, I neglected the cash flow aspect of the business. And I mean, while we did okay, the reality is, had I focused more on that cash flow, I would have so much more freedom even now. And I would have more abilities to expand and grow exponentially because my number one focus would have been to let the passive income cover my living expenses. And that way I didn't have to actively go out there to work to generate the money to feed my family. That passive cash flow would feed my family so that now I can build with strategy. I can build with freedom. Uh, so I think that would be one of the key pieces that I would have told myself if I had the ability to go back and do it all over again. And then the other part would be this, to really continue to surround yourself around the right people that hold you accountable, the right people that empower you. Because if you don't do that, it's incredible how many times in my life when I see my business slowing down or even my personal life, when I see it diminishing, I find that somehow somebody crept up that shouldn't be around me. 
and they're a negative influence. And it's incredible how negative influences can bring you down without you even knowing. So those would be the two key pieces that I would definitely uh, tell myself if I had the ability to go back in time. Alliance, I want you guys to go back and, and, and hit that button on your phone or on your computer right now to rewind about 30 to 45 seconds ago and listen to that again. That's an amazing gold nugget. Thank you, Rick, for that. So what do you think the most common mistake that newbies make when they get started in the business? You know, I think when people get started, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that they make is they don't create a clear, concise plan. Uh, if, if ever, you know, most people don't even have a plan. They just say, I'm going to get in this real estate thing to make money. And if that's your plan, you're screwed. I'll be honest. Um, I really think that if you want to be successful, you need to take the time to organize your thoughts and understand why you're getting in the business. If you don't know why or have a full understanding of the reason why you're going to invest, then you cannot have a plan of action. And if you don't understand your why, what ends up happening is the moment you go through trials, because that's guaranteed to happen, there are going to be bad times, there's going to be struggle. The reality is if your why is bigger than your how, it, you'll, be, you'll continue. You'll be able to succeed. But what will happen if you don't have a plan is, and if you don't understand the purpose for which you're doing this, the moment you hit hard times, you're just going to revert back to your old habits. You're going to quit. And you're going to blame everybody else except taking ownership of the fact that you quit. And so I would start with that plan, understanding the why. And the last thing I would say is, you know, take it one step at a time. This isn't a sprint. You know, investing in real estate, if you want to do something that's big, it's going to take decades. It's going to be a lifelong journey. So pace yourself. You don't have to make a million dollars tomorrow. In fact, if you plan to make a million dollars tomorrow, you're going to fail. So make realistic goals that you can go after and little by little learn from that. Learn from the mistakes that you make and tweak and refine. And over time, you will master that craft of investing. Boom. This is awesome stuff, Rick. You are really bringing it today for everybody. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about HIS Capital um, and talk about, you know, what you guys do, how you how you can help uh, investors getting started out. Sure. Um, you know, really, as a company, if you really take a look at our business, you know, I have several different entities that are holding companies and so forth. But if you look at the brand, we have HIS Capital Group and then HIS Capital Funding. Okay, so HIS Capital Group is literally our investment arm. We buy assets that are distressed, whether it's residential, commercial, uh, and, and depending on different stages of the cycle, we don't just buy all kinds of stuff all the time. We get very specific, you know. Um, on the other side of that coin, we have his capital funding, and that arm specifically focuses on funding active investors in the marketplace, and it creates a vehicle for both active and passive investors. And so that, in essence, is kind of what our company does. Now, as my vision grows, I really, like I said before, I believe in purpose and I believe in leaving a legacy. And to be honest with you, there's too many gurus out there that are spitting a bunch of crap and they're teaching the wrong philosophies. And we wonder why people are losing money and not getting in the business. So as a lender, I don't just talk about it. I pull the trigger and put my money where my mouth is. But my vision this year is to begin to challenge and to impart wisdom into active investors, whether they are experienced or new investors. I just want to sow seeds in their lives so that as they succeed in the business, they come back and say, you know what? His capital funding not only gave me money, but they protected me, they empowered me, and they helped me to grow. And I want that to be a part of our business strategy 
not just at Rick Malero does. I mean, yeah, many cases I go and I teach, but I have an amazing team that I've been blessed with that has helped me to pass along the legacy. And in fact, I have one of my guys with me who we had a meeting. We're starting to do some, some business plans for our team, which I'm investing a lot this year in making my team great and empowering them so they can live out a life full of purpose themselves. That's my goal this year is to, to basically build the power and pa pass it on to my team. And part of that process has led them to connect with some of their existing clients. And one story that we got, which I want to share with you, is, you know, we found out. I had no idea. We, last year, we funded this one client with six deals. So we funded six deals. And as we started talking about, you know, kind of their goals for this year, they want to do 14 transactions. But in the discussion of what they wanted to do, what kind of strategy they were going to implement, they said, you know, I want to stop for a second. I want to thank one of your team members who uh, has been instrumental in empowering us to be successful because two years ago you guys gave us our first loan and he kind of guided us through the process of how to analyze the deal right how to make sure that we had the right contractors the right questions to ask who helped me and really cared about me not just to loan me money and because of that individual imparting the wisdom into us and then providing the funding we grew our business we're now six deals that we did last year now we're going to do 14 deals and so those are the stories that I want to hear. I want that to be my legacy, where we empower people that are new to go to the next level and where we help and change the life of other investors who are already doing it. I mean, I've had some trainings that I've done where guys that are doing five, fifteen million dollars, all kinds of deals, they come back to me after a discussion and they say, Rick, you were speaking to me. Everything went dark and it was just you and me talking. And you re I realized that what I'm doing is not right. And at some point if the market changes, I'm going bankrupt. Thanks for changing my outlook because now I'm going to change my strategy. So that's really what I want to see. And, and when people look at his capital group or his capital funding, I want that to be the trade line, that we've really empowered people and we've sowed the seeds in their life that will leave a lasting legacy in their career. I absolutely, absolutely love that, Rick. And I think that's partly why you and I have kind of gravitated towards each other over the last year, year and a half is yeah, that you and I share a lot of the same values and and principles in our businesses. And, you know, that's why I, I have you speak at, at my uh, local RIA here in Tampa anytime you want to, uh, because you always bring, you know, some of the best information in the business. So what areas are you guys lending in currently? Like what states? Yeah, so, you know, funny enough, you know, we, we usually lend California and Florida. Um, based on market data, We've slowed down our lending in California in most uh, active markets. LA, I don't even touch, to mm -hmm. be honest, at this point. Don't blame uh, you. So mainly, what was that? Don't, don't blame, blame you. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we still obviously do a lot of investing throughout the whole state of Florida. We do some analysis on markets. So if we feel that somebody's buying in a market that's questionable, we typically let them know. And then together we discover if it's you know something that we should be concerned about or we, we should switch strategies. And then this year, uh, we're aiming to get to Atlanta, Georgia. We did a lot of diligence, and we're in the process right now of getting the licensing to be able to go there and expand. So so those are the markets that we're focused on currently. Well, that's great because uh, I'm actually moving into the Atlanta market here shortly. Oh, really? Yeah. I got a guy up there that's uh, that's uh, just moved up there, is going to be uh, taking out fast uh, into Atlanta. So we'll see, awesome. see how that all works out, huh? Absolutely, man. That'd be great. <laughs> Strange coincidence. Yeah. Um, okay, so Rick, how 
if people are in Florida and they need a hard money loan, do you do fix and flip loans and uh, rentals or is it just the fix and flips? Yeah, you know, what? I, what's really unique is I've talked to several clients of mine, you know, and they say, hey, you know, there's so many hard money, lender, hard money lenders in the marketplace right now. It's ridiculous. And so what we show them is we're actually a private investor and we bring a lot to the table. So if anybody's buying to fix and flip, they're buying to fix and lease or they're even considering going into some multifamily investments. That's what we specialize in. But the reason why we're a little different than the other lenders is because we're going to spend time with you to empower you. We're going to teach you strategies. If we see something wrong, we're going to tell you. And we're going to tell you like it is. If it's a yes, it's a yes. If it's a no, it's a no. Uh, this isn't a game of rates and terms. So that then last minute, we lower your loan amount three days before the closing, which seems to be the norm in the industry. So we feel that that's what we're going to do. If, so if you're going to buy fix and flip, we're going to challenge you to get to the point where you allocate some of those funds into passive investment. Nobody does that. Uh, so it's a combination of different lending, you know, from single family flips, single family rentals. We do some portfolio loans for some guys that have already bought 10, 15, 20 properties. And, um, you know, we're even in the process right now of working out a long-term product that we're going to be expanding on so that we can give full-term loans to investors at lower rates. So I think we're doing a little bit of everything, including the multifamily as well. Fantastic. So if, if they are uh, here in Florida and, and need to get in contact with you, Rick, how, how do they do that? You know, they can call our office or they can go to our website. So they can go to hiscapitalgroup.com or they can call 877-452-6569. And uh, really, one of our staff members could answer the call and find out which, which one of our team members will be available to help answer questions and start helping you to field those deals and, and to get your deal funded. Fantastic. So we'll have we'll have your your website and your phone number in the show notes. So uh, if you miss that, guys, just go back to the show notes and, and click the links uh, and dial the phone number if you're in need of a hard money loan, because I highly recommend that you guys at least look into HIS and, and look into Rick's programs that he has, because I, I'll i give you a quick example, like the deal that we just closed uh, late last year, late December with you guys, mm-hmm. you know, not only are you guys really looking out for your investors, you guys were looking out for me at the same time. Your underwriting team, you know, put that deal through the ringer to make sure that you aren't losing money and that we're all making money, which I loved. I've done hard money loans in the past from different companies. And, you know, just based on my my expertise and my uh, my experiences in this business, I was able to get the loan and it didn't matter about the property. I, I could basically throw any number I wanted to at them for the ARV. And they were like, yep, that sounds good. And here's your loan. And that's, it's a little unnerving actually now that I've, I've met with you guys several times and we've done a deal now. It's, it's scary that they do that because, you know, you and I actually, that's one of the first things you ever asked me uh, or told me to ask hard money lenders. Are you in the lending business or are you in the foreclosure business? Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. It really is. So uh, Rick, you are not in the the uh, foreclosure business. I can assure our listeners that. Okay, Rick. So before uh, we let you go, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, with the alliance before we get you out of here? Yeah, you know what I want to what I want to share with people is you know again I I just believe that there's so much misinformation out there, but your heart really knows the truth when you're exposed to it. So I just want to challenge you, when you study your trade and when you start getting involved in real estate, understand that if you're doing real estate right, you should be helping people. It shouldn't be about stealing something for somebody. 
It should literally be about creating a win-win opportunity. And so if you want to be successful and you want to be here for the long haul, don't fall into those tricks that talk about how you manipulate people. If you're going to go buy properties off market, for example, think about helping that individual. You're going to make money in the process. And the reality here is you need to look at those fundamentals first before you talk about going out there to take deals. If you're going to borrow money from a lender like me or from other passive investors, think about them first. Do right by them. Don't just look at their money as access to do whatever you want. Think about the fact that these people spent years working, saving, putting that money up so that they can invest it with somebody like you. And now they trust you. So it's not just because of somebody else's money that you can do whatever you want with it. Work on stewardship. And I can tell you from my own personal experience over the years, stewardship is critical. But even I, trying to be a good steward, have made mistakes in the past, and I haven't done good by my investors. And so the reality is you need to constantly check yourself to make sure that what you're doing is good or what you're doing is right by those clients. And if you focus on doing good and making a difference, you will have a career in this industry that will leave an actual legacy. And you will not be wiped out by any crashes in the cycles of, of the real estate market. So that, that's what I really want to leave you guys with is you can do good and you can make a lot of money doing it if you do it for the right reasons. Thank you so much, Rick. Phenomenal stuff today. Alliance, I hope you got a lot of great information about this podcast or from this podcast today. If you liked it, please share this on social media. Share it, you know, tell people to subscribe, send them to the website, flippingrealestatelikethepros.com. And Rick, thank you so much for taking out your time out of your busy schedule today to be with us. Anytime. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Mm -hmm. You've just listened to another Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. You're another step closer to fulfilling your dreams as a successful real estate entrepreneur. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide into this exciting venture called real estate investing. For more information, visit our website at www.flippingrealestatelikethepros.com. Catch you on the flip side, Alliance.